This is WTBI, bringing you the day's news of the nation and the world. This podcast was recorded before a live studio audience. No, it wasn't. Welcome to the Toxic Bag Podcast. This is episode number 405 for May. Hey guys, this is Steve, and I am so glad that you've decided to join us for this month's podcast, because we have got a very cool show for you. Our guest this month is Sandy King of Storm King Productions. Uh, Sandy is here. She's going to talk about uh, the comic book series that uh, she's producing. There's two of them. One is called John Carpenter's Asylum, and the other is called John Carpenter's Tales of a Halloween Night. And yes, it is that John Carpenter that I'm referring to. Uh, you should uh, Google uh, Sandy, look her up on the internet just to get an idea of the amazing career that this uh, woman has had. She's worked on a bunch of really awesome movies throughout the years. Uh, you know, Just check it out. Very cool. I'm very excited to uh, sit down and talk with her. It's going to be really cool. And also joining me uh, will be Joe for our pop culture update. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of uh, the things we've uh, picked out for May for television and film, as well as some other stuff so check that out as well uh and uh like i said it's going to be a really cool show uh it is a huge huge show we're trying to cram into a very small bag so let's just get right into it uh, i just want to remind everybody go to toxicbag.com to follow all things toxic you can also follow us on facebook of course uh, my twitter handle is toxicbag underscore games and my blog is bloodwork at wordpress.com but really toxicbag.com is the best place for you to go to find out what's going on with us. So, all right, so what's going on? I just wanted to talk real briefly. We, we are in May here, and of course, this is the time of year traditionally where the networks start to announce uh, which shows are coming back, which shows uh, have been unfortunately canceled. Castle, I'm looking in your direction. <laughs> and of course, what new shows are on the schedule for the next uh, season for the fall of, of this year? And one of the things that caught my eye is that NBC has announced that uh, they are preparing a fourth show to be set in Chicago. You know, right now they've got Chicago Fire, they have Chicago PD, they have Chicago Med. And so now there's going to be a fourth show. And uh, here at Toxic Bag, we really like the Chicago shows uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's just really cool to have a show set in your hometown. You know, it's kind of always fun to to see the location shooting and, and go, oh, yeah, I know where that is and I know where that is. And and it's also fun to see how accurate are the writers. You know, do they use the right words for the expressways? Do they use the right street names? Do they have streets uh, intersect at where they really intersect? You know, does this street A intersect with street B like you just said in real life? You know, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. And it's always fun to, uh, to kind of see all that and track all that and then the other thing about it that we really enjoy is uh, all these shows are shot in Chicago here and so all of the secondary roles and and minor roles are usually filled by local Chicago actors and a lot of times it's people that we know and work with so that's always fun to see some of our uh, friends and uh, acquaintances and co-workers get a chance to uh, get a you know a national gig and hopefully uh, get their careers going and moving and that's always fun and so we always like, hey, I know that person, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I had a beer with that guy or oh, I remember that girl. And that that's always fun. So we enjoy that stuff. But the Chicago shows, the thing about it that uh, caught our attention 
was when they announced it, the fact that all these shows tend to be procedural governmental type shows, fire department, police department, you know, the whole hospital medical thing. We thought, well, they're probably going to follow along those lines with another governmental procedural show. And if they do, we thought that this could be the show we will see next fall. Coming this fall on NBC. First, there was the combustible drama of Chicago Fire. Oh my God, that building in Chicago is on fire. Next, there was the arresting action of Chicago PD. Oh, that bank in Chicago is being robbed. And then, the pulse-pounding moments of Chicago Med. Look, the guy in Chicago is having a heart attack. What else is on? Now, the producers of your favorite Chicago programs proudly present the most anticipated new show of 2016, Chicago Streets and Sand. All the drama. Damn it, Heather, I love you. I know you do, Jack, but how does your wife feel? All the action. If we can't divert the water flow in these pipes, the Field Museum will be underwater by nightfall. How far do the pipes run? All the way to the lake. Okay, I'm looking at the lake. It's like right across the street. All the suspense. Have you seen Lou? Uh, he said he had some things to do, so he started early. Well, he better have those street sweepers out on Southport by midday at LB Aldebay. Chicago Streets and Sand. The latest Chicago departmental drama. Coming this fall. Only on NBC. And look for Chicago Water and Power sometime in 2017. It's got Chicago in the title, so we know you'll watch it. But we'll still cast all the leads out of Los Angeles. I don't know about you guys, but I got goosebumps. I'm very excited, looking forward to this show and any other shows that might come down the pipe dealing with Chicago government. And along those lines as well, NBC, if you are listening, we have a new sponsor on our, our, our podcast for this month that specializes in television shows. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and roll our uh, the new spot that we're going to be running. And NBC, I think you should be taking notes. So uh, let's, uh, let's introduce our newest sponsor. Need a TV show? Looking for a pilot? Do you have some holes in your programming schedule? Come on down to Ron Starsky's House of Television Shows. Ron Starsky's House of Television Shows. Due to several recent setbacks in the higher circuit court of Cook County, every program we have is now marked down up to 65%. That's right. Our loss is your gain. We have cop shows. Cop shows. Lawyer shows. Lawyer shows. Doctor shows. Doctor shows. We have game shows, sitcoms, and even variety shows. Miscellaneous shows. We even have over 40 unaired pilots that were originally commissioned by Sci-Fi Channel. Every program in our inventory is available today and can be yours at rock bottom prices. Rock bottom prices. So come on down to Ron Starsky's House of Television Shows. Ron Starsky's House of Television Shows. Located at the corner of Illinois and Iroquois. Contract negotiations overseen by Sabine and Roman Limited. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really think NBC will be making a phone call very soon. All right, guys, we'll be right back. The following is an emergency action message. Civil authorities have identified a biological threat that they deem credible. This threat could potentially affect the entire continental United States. The dead are returning to life and attacking the living. 911, what's your emergency? There's a man off bed and he's attacking another man. Like on the arm. The initial signs are puzzling. Unclear. Soon, however, the reality is clear and undeniable. The crisis involving the recently dead continues. 
Parliament today passed a law that requires all bodies of the recently deceased to be registered and turned... Toxic Bag Productions has captured the sounds of the zombie apocalypse and brought them to your gaming table. Background ambiences, zombie attacks, and radio transmissions that set the scene for your modern zombie adventure. Download MP3s from DriveThruRPG.com or ToxicBag.com. And we are back with the Toxic Bag Podcast, episode number 405 for May of 2016. And as always, you can reach us at podcast at toxicbag.com. So please drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Are we doing a good job? Are we doing a bad? We want to know. We really, we really do. All right. My next guest is, I, I'm so excited for this. This is going to be so cool. Uh, she is, uh, uh, had an amazing film career, worked on a ton of very cool movies, very diverse movies, things like Thief, things like Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Death of a Chinese Bookie. Uh, 16 Candles, a whole bunch of really, really cool stuff. And on top of that, she has some amazing uh, comic books that are available now. So let's welcome to the show Sandy King. Sandy, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Really appreciate this. Oh, it's going to be fun. These comic books you have, uh, we got a chance to meet you back at C2E2, and uh, we uh, picked up a copy of the, uh, the Asylum, which is a compilation of the first six issues, as well as the Tales of a Halloween Night, which is the, uh, the six separate tales. Tell us about these things. These things are amazing. The artwork is fantastic. The, uh, I really thought the writing was great, but please... Tell us what these things are about. John Carpenter's Asylum is, is not as in an insane asylum, as you, as you know from reading it. It's more like Soul Asylum, but we can't use the name or we'll be sued by a rock group. Um, <laughs> asylum is a, a defrocked Catholic priest runs into an L.A. homicide detective when they're both chasing the same guy, one to save his soul and the other to lock him up as a serial killer. And uh, that one, for me, as one of the creators, was really addressing a lot of the issues I think everybody faces about good and evil and issues that come up about church and belief systems. And it's meant to address some of those issues of whether the evil is within you or without and all based in kind of a thriller format. That one came about because Thomas Ian Griffith had come to me with an idea for a story based around a guy with the gift of discernment, which in the Catholic Church is the ability to recognize true evil and take it into yourself and diffuse it. Hmm. And Catholics believe that there's, there are these people, and priests use them to stand by uh, in exorcisms where a demon cannot be sent back to hell, and a priest cannot take it with, into themselves. They can put it into this other person. And I thought that that had great potential for an interesting character. Thomas and John and I wound up working on the story over the course of many years. We're up to issue 14. The second trade is due to come out in time for the fall. And uh, it's been a really great journey on that one. Bruce Jones started out writing the stories for us and taught me a great deal about story structure in comics as opposed to movies. And Leonardo Manco has been our artist all the way through on that. That's that artwork that I think you like so much. He's great. He came from Driver for the Dead uh, and Hellblazer, or at least that's where I got turned on to him. Yeah, the the artwork in this is is fantastic. I mean, it, it's it's worth it to buy the books just for the artwork. I mean, the stories are, are are really it's very dark, but it's gripping. But some of the artwork in here is just really amazing. Well, it took a couple of years really to put the right team together to make something that was 
cinematic in nature that would reflect something that John Carpenter fans would look for, but I also wanted to win over the comic book crowd and not just be something like, oh yeah, there's, there's another movie guy doing a comic book. And then Halloween night, it just seemed like once we kind of got in our groove with, with Asylum, the natural thing seemed to be to do a, a, a scary story anthology in time for Halloween each year. So that would start out with six stories, and now each year in time for Halloween, we'll put out another anthology. The fun to that is bringing in all the writers that we think are good and more artists that we think are great and see if uh, we can't have a little something for everybody, you know, from sea monsters to aliens to graveyards, every kind of horror story, and, and put it in there so that when you get a book, you get a little bit of everything. You get a little sampler. Are you going to be uh, writing any of them in the, in the next anthology? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't resist. <laughs> John and I each wrote one in the last one, and we each write one in the next one. Now, you, you'd mentioned um, the difference between uh, writing for movies and, and writing for comics and how you learned uh, you know, how, how to, what, what that difference was. Can you share with us a little bit on what that transition was like? Well, I think that it's a mistake to think that just because you do well in one format, in one form of entertainment, to take for granted that you can just cruise over and do comics or cruise over and do television, or that because you do great in television, you can go do movies. I think that there's a great discipline and great style for in each medium. And I really admired comics. And we knew we had an audience there, but I also was not dumb enough to think we could just walk in there and go, hey, I can write a comic. <laughs> um, there's things with page turns and, and pacing that I knew I knew nothing about. And Bruce Jones was kind enough and generous enough to teach me while he was writing the first issues. And it's a great, great lesson in, in economy of effort, having to really hone down what you're writing and make each word count and each page count for a screenwriter who's used to more latitude who's used to 120 pages to get something across. It's really hard to put suspense or horror into 22 pages. It's fantastic discipline. It, it kicks my butt each issue. And if I don't kick my own butt, uh, Leonardo Manco's there to do it for me. Now, you know, you mentioned that, that uh, Thomasine Griffith kind of approached you with this, but were you thinking about getting into comics even before that, or was this really the first time that, that this avenue uh, opened up for you? Well... Uh, people had approached John to put his name on comics, but it was usually inferior comics that they just wanted to sell by having his name on uh. things. And what it really was, was we were putting together, the stories we were putting together we thought were for a TV show. But this was years ago, and everybody said that the story was too dark. So we just kind of shelved it. And then back when Breaking Bad and all those things were coming out, we said, well, now it can't be too dark. This, <laughs> this has to rock. Thomas and I were going out again with it as a TV show, and instead we were getting really stupid comments. Finally, one day I was just fed up with with the studio comments, and um, a little uh, sawed-off assistant said, well, it's not like it's a graphic novel or anything. And I just looked at them, and I said, actually, it is. It's a comic book. And um, that's when a, a six-foot-five vampire kicked me under the table and an agent kicked me under the table. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, walked out and said, what was that all about? And I said, I can't, I can't sit through another one of these meetings. This is a comic book. Um, let's just do that. And um, I was a lot happier. <laughs> <laughs> I was happier. They were happier. And it's been a comic book ever since. 
the movie's loss is uh, the comic's gain, because they are amazing books. Uh, Great, just... thank you. Now, you mentioned that uh, Third Arc's going to be out in uh, the fall. Well, the, the trade will be out in the fall. The Third Arc will start out when um, I'm able to regroup and get... <laughs> get the second trade out, get the second uh, Halloween nights out, and um, start writing the third arc. We also have a science fiction book coming out. Can you give us any details, or is it still top secret? It's going to be a series of three sets of stories. One, a series of four books called Vortex that Mike Sizemore, an English comic writer, is going to do. Mm-hmm. that we we made the story. Uh, it's a story I originated, and I have him writing with me. Another one called The Vault that James Ninus is writing, and uh, a third one yet to be determined. But I thought it would be fun to uh, to do a whole year of science fiction. They're all kind of horror sci-fi, but I think more adapted to current science. You'll like it, trust me. <laughs> There's like wormholes and cool stuff. Okay, now is there any uh, any ideas on, on when we can uh, see that coming out? Is that going to be for this year, or are you thinking next year? Or? I want to make it so so that we can come out as a monthly and let people just kind of chew straight through them. So I think we'll start it at the start of next year. All right, cool. Something to look forward to. Yeah, right. yeah okay. I think John Carpenter needs a sci-fi series. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so now I, I got to throw this question out. Uh, I am, of course, a, a huge uh, fan uh, of of John Carpenter's movies, and uh, Big Trouble in Little China is one of my favorite movies. And a lot of our listeners really like it as well. So my question is, do you have any great stories from Big Trouble in Little China that you could share? <laughs> wow. I didn't see that one coming. Um <laughs> Well, you know, that it, that was a, a lot of fun to do. It was an international cast. There were were um, Chinese actors from all around the world in it, from mainland China, from Taiwan, from Hong Kong, and then from all over the United States because we brought in martial arts masters and grandmasters from everywhere to be the Storms and to be the Wing Kong Warriors. And really just the experience of being on the set all the time was a lot of fun because there were all these guys that didn't necessarily know each other, some of whom had worked together in Asia on martial arts films, but some of them only knew about, about each other. Particularly, they didn't, hadn't met people like Carter Wong before. And that was where we first met Jeff Amato, who went on to be our stunt coordinator up through today. Mm-hmm. He was the, the butterfly knife fighter at the, the airport. At the airport, right. He's one of the, the gang members. Right. Yeah. And Al Leong, who wound up being, again, another lifelong friend. I mean, we made lifelong friendships. I just saw Peter Kwong, one of the storms, the other day, uh, rain. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that the biggest thing about Big Trouble in Little China was opening the door on a lot of great friendships, a lot of great cultural exchange. There were amazing things that happened in the middle of the, the giant alley fight. We didn't know that a local gang, the Watchings, had infiltrated as extras <laughs> and were putting out and, and that hits were put out on certain people and we suddenly had all these injuries of people going to the to the hospital <laughs> and it wasn't until uh, Jeff Amati came up to me and said, You do know that there's there's some trouble going on <laughs> during the scenes. I said, why are so many people getting hurt? He goes, there's some hits that are being put out. Oh, wow. I said, well, what can we do about it? And so the, the masters got together and nailed the, uh, the gang members. <laughs> so they kind of fanned out and changed the choreography. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry Franco came to me, the producer, and goes, 
what is it I don't understand that's going on out there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I think it's being taken care of. Larry, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you have a couple hundred people fighting, <laughs> you know, I think this isn't going 100% the way we thought. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow, that's awesome. Um, but there were, like I said, it was great. We, you know, we made longtime friends with Victor Wong and Dennis Dunn, who went on to do Prince of Darkness with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and James Hong is amazing in that movie. Oh, yeah. Choose the scenery yeah. and just looks like he's having a ball doing it. Oh, man, yeah. The girl with green eyes, find oh. her and marry her. You were not put on this earth to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just some wonderful dialogue. I, like I said, it is one of my favorite movies. So thank you so much for sharing that, that, that information. That's really cool. I guess I never realized how potentially hazardous actually filmmaking can be you know, on set. Uh, any other stories you have that come to mind where it was equally hazardous? When we were doing They Live, I remember that we were shooting in a place where some old drunk decided aliens had landed because he saw people coming out of the makeup trailer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and suddenly we were being fired upon. (laughs) So, you know, and and when I did the Long Riders, we got too close to stills out in the forest, and we were being fired upon there. So I tend to go places where (laughs) gunfire breaks out. (laughs) Yeah, that was um, Clayton, Georgia. Yeah, it turned out it was the moonshine capital of the United States. To... Learn more about what you have going on. The website is stormkingproductions.com. That one, and then there's, they want to know what's happening, say, with, with my husband's tour with John Carpenter. There's the official johncarpenter.com, and that'll let them know what's happening with that. And there's also on Facebook, you can find us at John Carpenter's Asylum, and you can find me on Facebook as well. All right. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule and talking to us. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And uh, we look forward to uh, the next uh, batch of Asylum, as well as uh, Tales of a Halloween Night and the uh, very vague sci-fi project you have coming up. (laughs) That's Vortex in the Vault. I can at least tell you that. Okay. Vortex in the Vault. Awesome. Thank you so much, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Toxic Bag presents Ghost in the Graveyard, the soundtrack to the scariest 80s horror film never made. Are your players up against a vengeful spirit? A deranged killer? It doesn't matter. There's no movie. Just nine creepy tracks that call to mind classic synthesizer-driven horror film scores. Perfect for use in your horror RPG. The Ghost in the Graveyard soundtrack. Available at drivethroughrpg.com and toxicbag.com. And we are back with the Toxic Bag Podcast, episode number 405 for May. And it is time, children, once again, for that beloved section of our podcast, the Pop Culture Update. Arrgh! Here be spoiler. Which, of course, means joining me at the microphones is Joe. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Good, good. Hey, we're into May already. No kidding. Year is flying past yet again. Wow. But... There's a lot of cool stuff coming out in May. That's true. What do we got? On TV, Preacher, 
starts yeah. May 22nd on AMC. Yes, yes, um, yes. Filling the slot previously occupied by yet another zombie movie. Yep. Uh, Fear uh, the Walking Dead, which, as we have stated earlier, is a completely original and different show from The Walking Dead, because <laughs> it's got fear in the title. Uh, that ends its uh, second season, I believe, the week before, or maybe that night. But at some point, Preacher is going to take over that time slot on Sunday. But anyway, very cool. Of course, that comic book came out. It's an iconic comic. Everybody really loved it and has been clamoring for some sort of film or television show. We finally get it. May 6th, we have Captain America Civil War shaping up to be one of the biggest cinematic experiences of the year. Yeah, uh, we have not uh, not seen the movie yet at the, at the moment of this recording, but I believe in the first 10 minutes it already outgrossed Batman versus Superman. So uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah. We had Eric Van Tassel filling us in on what the comic book version was last month, so we'll uh, we'll go into the theater in a little while here and, and check see what out. the see how different the film is. Also opening on May 6th, a movie that uh, I think I'm really excited for. I, I think it's going to be really cool. It's called Elstree, 1976. It's a documentary on the uh, filming of Star Wars back in 1976. At Elstree Studios in in, in England. It looks very cool. There's a lot, supposedly a lot of interviews with a lot of the extras and people that that were that live in Elstree that were just sort of hired to, you know, be in the movie because they needed bodies and they had no idea that this movie was going to go on to become Star Wars. And so looks really cool. And that opens on May 6th as well. On May 13th, we have The Darkness, a horror movie starring Kevin Bacon and the little kid who plays Bruce Wayne on Gotham. Mm -hmm. Uh, It follows a family who goes to the Grand Canyon on vacation and comes back with uh, some sort of mysterious extra supernatural passenger. See, you know, normally when we would go on vacation, we would just come back with like t-shirts or something. Maybe a refrigerator magnet. Yeah, right. Or a snow globe or something, but they get a monster. I mean, how cool is that? No kidding. Uh, May 13th. This is a really interesting movie. It's called High Rise, uh, and it stars uh, Tom Hiddleston, of course, better known as uh, Loki. Jeremy Irons. And Jeremy Irons is in it, and I think Sienna Miller and... uh, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men. Yep, yep. A really cool cast. It kind of has a 70s look and feel to it, and it's uh, about this massive high-rise, and you've got the social structure, you know, the people who live at the top floors are the upper class, ha ha ha, and, uh, you know, then people at the bottom are are the lower class, and it's it's what goes on. Tom Hiddleston's a guy who moves in there, and looks really cool. Uh, again, it's kind of hard to describe. It's based on a novel that's a couple of decades old, and it looks like there's just a lot of really weird reality-bending stuff that goes on. The trailer shows entire floors of people dressed in, like... Like French Revolution-type right. stuff. Yeah, it's really it, it, it looks really interesting. Yeah. And that is uh, May 13th. And then on May 27th, we have X-Men Apocalypse, which um, is the latest installment in the ongoing X-Men uh, series of films that just keep getting worse and worse. Apparently, the, <laughs> uh, the advance buzz on this is that it is absolutely terrible yeah that is what i've heard and it, and actually i would say that uh, like x-men first class uh which is several films ago was actually i liked it i thought it was pretty good it was an improvement on the previous couple yeah absolutely it was much better than what we had been getting but uh yeah this one the uh, the early reports are not good but uh, may 27th so if you're you know if you're still hanging on for the x-men there you go there you go uh, another thing I thought we could mention is uh, Walker Stalker Con is coming to Chicago on uh, Memorial Day weekend, which is May 28th and 29th. 
uh, and uh, it is a m- massive uh, Walking Dead convention. And uh, if you can go to their website, walkerstalkercon.com, uh, and then they have all they have it travels all over the country. Just click on Chicago, you can see. And the easiest way to say who's going to be there is just to say who's not going to be there, right. which is basically uh, Rick, Maggie, and Daryl are not going to be there. But just about everybody else on the show is. And it's crazy. Living, living or dead. I living mean... or dead. Oh yeah, lots of the dead characters. Uh, you know, people like Beth and Noah and Bob. Hey, spoilers. And... And uh, you know, yeah, right. And uh, and T Bone and uh, 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 Merle is going to be. I mean, it, it's a huge, huge list. Plus, folks for some other shows as well, which uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be there, so if you're interested in uh, in coming up to us and telling us how great our show is, you can track us down there. There'll only be a couple people, so it should be pretty easy to find us. So. And if you're interested in more um, information about the movies that we've talked about, go to MovieInsider.com, which is where we get all our information. You betcha. Greetings from the ginormous. Here are your three questions for May 2016. Question one. Are you on Team Cap or Team Iron Man? Well, um, and again, we should preface this by saying we have not uh, seen the movie yet, so this is just going off of uh, our knowledge of the comic version of... uh, Captain America as Civil given War. us by the Cliff Notes uh, by Eric Van Tassel. Yeah, right. Uh, I actually would say I'm going to be on Team Cap. I think that the registration uh, idea, while I understand it and I see what they're trying to do, I would not be in favor of it. I think that uh, superheroes, the greatest weakness of all superheroes, are the people that are close to them, and by registering them you're putting all those folks in danger and preventing them from doing their job. So I would be more on on Team Cap, I think, than Team Iron Man. I'm really torn about this because while I agree with you and I think that in in a superhero world, you want your superheroes to be able to fight bad guys with autonomy, it's like Jack Bauer in 24. Jack Bauer in 24 is the guy you never want to exist in the real world. You know that the things he's doing are terrible, and you never want anyone who works for our government to be doing those sorts of awful things, but it's justified within the show to save lives and get stuff done. I don't know if I'd want to live in a world where superpowered beings had full autonomy and could do whatever they like, and and there was no oversight. I think within the world of the comic books, I can see it, but I just don't want to live there. Sure. So I might be on Team Iron Man. That's a good way to not answer the question. <laughs> question two. Supergirl is moving to the CW. Good idea or bad? I think it could be a good idea. I think that um, CBS is having a lot of problems with the show. And I think that CW has shown that they can do superhero shows really, really well. They've got three really strong, really unique shows as much as Flash and Arrow and Legends exist within the same world, tonally they're three different shows. And they all work equally well. And I think that a Supergirl show in the hands of the CW could also work really well. I love this idea. I would uh, vote for this immediately. Um, for all the reasons you just said in that the, the CW has shown that they can pick the right people to make these shows work. I like the uh, the showrunners on Supergirl now with CBS, and I think that if they had the CW people behind them, 
the show could be even better than it is. The only thing that that uh, gives me pause at all is since we've had the crossover with the Flash, we've already established that Supergirl does not exist in the CW Flareoverse Legends verse thing. <laughs> Obviously, she's in an alternate Earth of some kind or a dimension. We don't really know. We don't know how Barry got there. You know, he just got there. Uh, so that's something they'd have to clean up. But I am confident that they can, you know, come up with a way that will be awesome <laughs> if it were to happen. So I'm all in favor of that. And I, I, I want to see the show keep going. And that would be great if it could happen. Question three. Who do you think got the baseball bat to the head in the season finale of The Walking Dead? Well, you know, the, uh, the easy answer is to say Glenn, because that's who got it in the comics. Right. Uh, by Negan, and uh, and almost an exact. I mean, they restaged the shot. If you if you if you're familiar with the comics, I mean, it is almost panel for panel the way they set it up. It was uh, you know amazing. But I I think that the show has gone off of the comic path a lot in good ways. You know, they're not just blindly following the storylines in the comics, so that. My guess is is it is going to be uh, one of the secondary characters like Abraham uh, or uh, Rosita, uh, yeah. you know, but w- one of those like secondary characters, I think. Uh, it, it, although, again, maybe they're just going to follow us to do Glenn. So I, I, but right now, I, I'm going to say it, I'll go with Abraham. My first thought was that it would probably be either Glenn or Maggie, uh, and I thought it would probably be Glenn because... He's already tried to stand up and be trouble, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in defense of Maggie. And I'm sure Negan doesn't want any loyalties that tight among the people he's now trying to control. Right. Uh, so it makes logical sense for him to have offed Glenn. But you also have to look at it's a TV show with popular characters, albeit one that has said time and time again, we will kill your favorite character. We don't care. Right. But you know Rick's never going to buy it. You know, Rick and Carl, pretty much, as long as those right. two actors want to be on the show, they're, they're going to be on the show. Yeah. And so it's very possible that the showrunner's like, well, we can't kill Glenn or Maggie. They're fan favorites. We, I, I, yeah. So it, I don't know, could go either way. Right, right. So who, who do you think it was? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to take the safe road and say it's Glenn. Okay, so Glenn, and you say Glenn, I say Abraham. So... We'll have to see uh, come uh, September, October when the show comes back. All right. All right, so that's going to wrap up the uh, pop culture update. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Sandy King. She was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. You can check out all of the things she has going on at her website, stormkingproductions.com. And as usual, we've given you an abbreviated version of her interview, and we'll be posting the full interview at toxicbag.com. So watch for that in the next couple of days. All righty. So that's going to wrap it up for this month. We will be back uh, next month for June. But until then, uh, everybody, good luck and good gaming. Take care. A substantial portion of this program was brought to you by... Girl with green eyes. Find her and marry her. Toxic Bag products can be downloaded from drivethroughrpg.com, d20pfsrd.com, and toxicbag.com. This podcast is copyright 2016.